Baptism is all about change. And many of you probably already know that. But I want to make a clarification right up front. You, you're not changed because you were baptized. You get baptized because you were changed. Does that make sense? You're not changed because you were baptized. You get baptized because you've already been changed. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning, uh, we're going to talk about the fact that change is coming. Change is coming. And I don't think that any one of you would be here if you didn't believe that. If you didn't expect God, that God is, is going to change your life, why would you be here? Really? Isn't that why you're here? Is because you expect that God is, is going to keep changing you. And you're here because he's already changed you. I think, if you're here for some other reason, we're glad you're here. That's okay. But I think, I, I don't know if there's any better reason to be here than, than that we know that God is going to change us from who we used to be into who he's called us to be. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want to show you a picture uh, before we start this morning. This is a picture of Linda. And, and many of you have met Linda. She directs our nursery program. She's probably in the nursery right now. I don't know. Am I right? No, no, she's here. I'm glad she's here for this because I get to embarrass her. I'm just going to leave this picture up for the next 30 minutes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, 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 this picture has been ingrained in my mind for the last six years, and I witnessed this happen uh, six years ago at our old building, two, two buildings ago, and it was just an awesome experience, and um, I, I couldn't find the picture. I didn't know who had it. It took me a long time to track it down. I finally tracked it down this week, and the reason I love this picture is because it captures what baptism is all about, okay? This is a person who has experienced complete change in her innermost being. This is a person, this is what it feels like to be changed by God. This is what, in that moment, she knows that God has, has made her a new creation, that her, she, is, she, has been, she has died to her past, the future is secure, God is with her, God is for her, and God is making all things new in her life. And that's, that's why her hands are raised in that moment. And some of you remember, I brought Linda up here last fall when we did a baptism service and kind of interviewed her, and she shared with us just how powerful of an experience that was for her. And her life has never been the same. She's, she's been continually changing, and she was changed before that day, and she's, she's continually changing ever since then, and she'll never stop changing. And that's what uh, baptism is all about. In fact, the easiest way I know to describe baptism to you is uh, this. Well, you can finally take this slide down. Baptism pictures the change God has made in your life. That's what baptism is. Baptism pictures the change that God has already made in your life, and it also looks forward to the changes that God is going to make in your life. That's what it pictures. That's what it's all about. So that got me wondering this last week as we're, as we're thinking and talking about change. If you could change one thing about your life, what would it be? If you could change just, just one thing about your life, what would be the one thing that you would want to change? And I, I wish that I would have thought of this sooner. We could have interviewed you. We could have interviewed your kids and gotten some really fun responses. I, I, I think the response would be all over the map. Some of you probably would want to change your circumstances or, or your status. You know, I, I, I wish I could change my income. 
I wish I had more money. I wish, we, uh, I, wish I had a bigger house. I wish I had a better job. I wish I could get healthy. Some of you would want to change that. That would be the first thing that would come to your mind. Others of you would want to change uh, some behavior in your life that has come to define your life. Maybe you've uh, struggled with uh, lust for a long, long time, and you just can't seem to stop looking at things you shouldn't. Maybe there's some other addiction that you have, some other habit, some other destructive pattern that has come to define your life, and you would say, I I just want to change. If I could just change that, my life would be great. You know, some of you would want to change your spending habits. I'd like to get out of debt. Some of you have an uncontrollable temper, and you wish you could just change that. You just have some, some kind of behavior in you that just comes out, and you can't seem to control it. You can't stop it, and it's come to define who you are. Others of you would focus on some kind of emotion that you struggle with. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe you're just a, a worrier, and that's how you've always been, and you just are constantly struggling with what if this happens, what if that happens, and you're paralyzed with anxiety. Some of you... I struggle with anger. Some of you struggle with depression. Some of you struggle with greed, even though no one here would probably admit that they, do, that they struggle with greed. I don't think anyone actually thinks that they're greedy. But some of you do have that problem. So it might, could be an emotion. Uh, some, some of you might have a spiritual condition that you would like to change. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, no, I'm more spiritual than all that. I just want to get closer to God. You know, I feel distant from God. I really wish I could get closer to God. I wish I was more generous and more loving. I wish I, was, I had more courage to talk about Jesus with people. I just wish I had more passion about Jesus. I wish I was on fire for God because I know I should be, but I don't know why. I can't, I just don't feel it, you know. Uh, something that I, I, I would like to change, and there's, <laughs> I have a lot of, sin in my life. All right, I'll just tell you that. I, I struggle with lots of sins in my life. I just, for some reason, I thought I'd share this one with you. I struggle with envy. I struggle with envy. It's something that comes out at times, and, and, I, and it just it surprises me normally. I'm not ready for it, and it just comes out. <clears throat> for example, <clears throat> I have a lot of pastor friends in this, in this, uh, in this region. Just, just great uh, Friends that have, have uh, supported me in my journey uh, in leading a church. And ha- we've, we've just been able to, some of them are we're really close, like brothers. And, uh, you know, we spend time together. We pray together. We, we, uh, we just support each other. Um, but we're friends on social media. And, uh, and they'll sometimes post some, some great things that God's doing at their church. Uh, <clears throat> a friend of mine posted recently, oh, we had 80 spontaneous baptisms today. We packed out three services. We have the best volunteers, and on and on and on it goes. And I'm like, so? Our logo is cooler than yours. My wife is hotter than your wife. You know, I'll say things like that. It just to myself, I mean, I'll boast about anything. When envy comes out, it, I'll just boast about anything just to make myself feel better. Or I'll be like, well, well we would have had 90 baptisms, but, you know, you know, I'll just make, I'll make excuses. And then I'll think, well, why can't we have that? And, you know, and then I realize, what am I doing? What am I doing? That's not me. I love that they, they baptize 80 people. I love these men. I love their churches. I want more and more people to go to their churches, to hear the gospel, to start a relationship with Jesus, and to go all in with him, and to become mature disciples, and to get baptized, and all of that. I want that. I want more and more of that. It's not about me. And, and I realize 
we're not competing. We're not opponents. We're teammates. We're all working towards the same goal. And I realize that when that happens, when that envy rises up in me, that's not who I am anymore. That is sin taking hold of me in that moment and and reminding me who I used to be. That's all that is. That's not who I am anymore. Sin has no dominion over me. And, and when I realize that, when I, when I remember, when I awaken to that reality, I'm able to move on and celebrate what God is doing in their churches. And so there's so many, I, I could spend the next 30 minutes giving you examples of other sins in my life and how those things happen, but I don't think that's what you came to hear. What, we're, what, what we want to talk about this morning is this. This is the big idea this morning. Being in Christ means change is coming. Being in Christ means change is coming. It is coming. And that is what the Word of God has promised us. So we're going to read from Romans chapter 6 this morning, verses 1 through 11, and we're going to um, talk about this awesome passage before we, before we bring up some people to be baptized. So you can follow along with me if you have your Bibles. I'm going to begin reading in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. This is what we read. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him, that's Christ, like this in his death, We will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died... He died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, what the Apostle Paul just got done saying, what, what, what the Apostle Paul is doing here in this passage is he is answer, he's addressing a misunderstanding of the gospel. At the end of Romans chapter 5, Um, God has just got done telling us how awesome the gospel is, how amazing his grace is. We can conclude from chapter 5 that no matter how dark your past is, no matter how far from God you were, no matter how many sins you've committed, no matter how horrible a person you were, God's grace is enough. God's grace is enough. God's grace is able to cover all of your sin. He, He says, where, where sin increased, grace increased even more, okay? When you were an enemy of God, Jesus died for you. You didn't even have to do anything to clean up your act before Christ died for you. He chose you and he died for you, and he made peace between you and God. You used to be a stranger. You, you and God were strangers, and you were, an, you were alienated from him. But Christ's blood brought you near. Through the, through the death of Jesus, you have peace with God. All of that is is true. So if all of that is true, 
can we just keep sinning? Can't we just keep living the way we were? I mean, if God is for us, can't we just keep living the way we've always been? I mean, if his grace is bigger, why can't we just, why do we have to change at all? And that is the reason we have Romans 6, 1 through 11. That was the question that some people were asking themselves. In fact, I've heard people say, say it like this. I've heard some people say, well, okay, okay, let me get this straight. I, I have to, Jesus died for my sin. I don't have to do anything. I just have to believe that he died for my sin and rose again. Um, okay, so does that mean I have to stop drinking? Is that to follow Jesus? Does that mean I have to stop drinking? Does it mean I have to stop smoking? Does it mean I have to stop swearing? Does it mean I, I can still, you know, lash out at my wife and kids when, it, when, the, when the moment comes and it feels right? Does that mean I can, I can continue to, you know, practice these bad habits? Does it mean I have to, you know, my, my girlfriend and I have been living together for four years. We have a good thing going. Does that mean that we have to move out? And, and here's, here's the thing. Here's what I would say to you. If you're asking those questions, you don't understand the gospel. You don't understand how great the gospel is. You don't understand the purpose of God's grace. Because the purpose of God's grace is to liberate you from sin. Okay, sin, even though sin feels good, it's not good. And so the purpose of grace is to set us free so that we can live the good life with Jesus. That's the point that the Apostle Paul is, is trying to make. Imagine your wedding day. You know, you and your, you and your spouse, you, you've just recited your vows. You've looked deeply into each other's eyes. You've said, I do. You've kissed. And you've, you've been announced this brand new couple, you know. And you walk back down the aisle. And you know that the moment where you kind of get the doors, you get past the aisle and the doors close. And you and your wife just have a special moment before, you know, all chaos breaks loose. And imagine in that moment you say to your spouse, so, you're really going to love me no matter what? Yes, I'm going to love you no matter what. So, you, you're, you're really going to stick by me through good and bad, no matter how bad it gets, no matter what I do, you're going to stick by me? Yes, I'm going to stick by you no matter what, no matter how bad it gets. And then you say, sweet, so I can just keep living how I was. I mean, I get to just keep living the way I was before I even met you, and I get your body whenever I want? This is the best deal ever. I wonder what your spouse would say in that moment. I think she'd be like, uh, no, I don't think you get it. We need to go back and do this again. Because that's not what her love is for. That's not what your spouse's love is for. It's to give you a license to do whatever you want. Right? Her, your spouse's love is meant to drive you towards her. To love her more. To, to, to motivate you towards faithfulness. That's what we just sang about. You know, that's what God's love is for. And so, what we should be saying to Jesus, what we should be saying to Jesus, this is what our attitude should be to Jesus. And it should be something like what you felt on your wedding day. Okay? We should be saying to Jesus something like, Jesus, Jesus, you are, you are amazing. You are, you are beautiful. And I can't believe that you love me and that you chose me and that you gave yourself for me. I want to know you. I want to please you. I want to, get, I want to live my whole life for you. I don't ever want to go back to the way life was without you. That's, that's the heart of a true disciple. That's someone who gets it. That's someone who understands the depths of God's grace and the breadth of Christ's love. 
That's how they relate to Jesus. He's, he's everything to them. They're just in awe of him. They just want to be with him. They just want to know him and please him. So if you're asking the question, hey, since God's grace is so great and since God's, big is, God's love is so big, he'll look the other way as I do whatever I want to do, as I just keep going this way. Well, this is Paul's response to that. Listen again to these verses. He says, we died to sin. We died to it. How can we live in it any longer? For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. So what this means is that not only has your relation, when you put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, not only has your relationship to God changed, your relationship to sin has changed. Okay, you are no longer in bondage to sin. Because, because Jesus died, you died. Because Jesus lives, you live. Okay, because Jesus defeated sin, you have defeated sin in Christ. You died to sin on the cross with Jesus, and that death transferred you from the kingdom or the, or the realm where sin has all the power to the kingdom or the realm where grace has all the power. So Jesus is saying here, sin has no authority over you anymore. Sin does not own you anymore. Sin will, cannot master you anymore because you are no longer under sin's power. Sin has been unplugged in your heart. Sin has been unplugged. You do not have to do what sin wants you to do anymore. You have a choice. You have a choice. Before, you didn't. You had to do what sin compelled you to do, no matter what. I mean, there was just, you really didn't, you, maybe you thought you had freedom, but it wasn't real. You were, in, you were a slave to sin, but you are not anymore. And the, and the phrase that Paul uses to help us get our, wrap our heads around this, because I know some of you are thinking, well, it feels like, it, it doesn't feel like I'm free from sin. It doesn't feel like that, does it? But I want you to notice this phrase Paul used, Paul used, it's called, we were, he said, we were united with Christ. We were united with Christ. That's the phrase. And Paul actually uses that phrase, or something like it, 164 times in his letters. And Paul wrote about half of the New Testament. 164 times. It's pretty important. And it's actually a horticultural term in the Greek. So what he wants us to picture is something like this. If we have the, the picture of it. This is, a, this is a branch that has been grafted into a tree. I don't know if you can see where it was cut out and, and, the, and the new branch was grafted in and it was taped together and over a while they bonded. The branch and the branch started producing new life or the tree I should say started producing new life through that branch. New fruit through that branch. So here's the picture Paul, God wants us to have. Okay, you used to, you've always been a branch, but you used to be attached to a thorn bush. And all you could produce were thorns and thistles. That's it. Nothing life-giving. Nothing good. But since you trusted in Christ, since God has changed your life, he has ripped you off of that old bush, and he has placed you into the life-giving blood of Jesus. 
and you are now one with Jesus. And Jesus' life is now flowing through you, and Jesus is producing new life through you all the time. And you are going to produce fruit, and you are going to look more and more like Jesus the more you grow. That's what this is. You are going to keep growing and growing and growing, and you will never stop growing, even though at times you won't feel it. You won't feel like you're growing. And there will be times where the growth feels like it's very slow, and you can't even see it, but it's happening. You know why? Because you are attached to Jesus Christ. You've been joined to him. You are bonded to him, and that will never change. You are not going to be uprooted anymore. You are one with Christ. And your life is, has been changed, and it will never stop changing. Amen? That is what, that's what we're told. Change is coming. In, in, in John chapter 15, and Jesus last night with his disciples, he was going to get arrested, and he was going to be crucified the next day. One of the things he told them is he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, if you abide in my love, you will bear much fruit. Not you might bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. Because you are, you are, you are with me now. <laughs> you're with me. And you're going to change. So what that means is, what does that mean as far as sin is concerned? Well, we still have a sinful nature. Right? And it's essentially dead. I mean, it feels alive, and we can still give into it. But in the end, it's going to die. It's not going to live. It's going to die with your body. And we should live now as if though it already was dead. Because that's the way the New Testament talks about our sinful nature. You've been, your old self was crucified with Jesus. So live as if it's dead. So sin has no power over you. In other words, all sin can do is come along and entice you. That's all it can do. It can't master, it can't own you anymore. All it can do is kind of borrow you. It can, it, can, it can take your attention off of Jesus, and it can put your attention onto this, this thing, okay, that isn't good for you. It can say, hey, look at this. That looks pretty good, doesn't it? You should do that. Nobody's going to know. Come on, just do that. And sin will borrow you. It will borrow your body. It will borrow your mind. It will borrow your, 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 uh, your voice. And, and, and it will entice you to do things that are consistent with your old nature, not your new nature. So, uh, you know, I, I get home from work one day. And I've had a long day. And I walk into the kitchen. And I'm like, hey, what's for supper? And my wife's like, uh, chicken, and, chicken and wild rice. And sin, all of a sudden... I was like, hey, can I borrow your mouth for a minute? Sure. Chicken again? Oh, my goodness. That's how it happens. And then Sin's going to go over to my wife and be like, hey, can I borrow your voice for a minute? <laughs> I won't tell you what she would say in that moment. <laughs> you know, if you're a wife, a, a, a stay-at-home mom, and you, you know, you're just exhausted, your kids have been difficult, you just want a break, and you just want to go on your phone and just have some me time for a while. And, and one of your kids comes up to you and has a, and has a concern or they just want to be with you. And, and sin comes up and they're like, they say to you, you know what, this, is, this time is for you. You deserve a break. Can I borrow your voice for a minute? Sure. So you say to your kid, leave me alone. Just go away. Have any of you moms ever said that? You're not alone, Right? Or, you know, 
You tell your 13-year-old daughter she's got to do her homework. And sin comes to my 13-year-old daughter and says, hey, can I borrow your voice for a minute? She'd be like, I don't want to. I'll just do it later. I mean, it just happens all the time. Some of you are thinking, hey, that's nothing. Sin comes along to me, and it takes my whole body, and it makes me do things to my body that are literally killing me. And I can't stop. Sin is literally killing some of us. Because that's what it does. It kills. There's no life there. There's no future there. And that's not who you are anymore. And all of this happens because we forget who we are. We forget who we are. So I want to read another uh, passage this morning from the book of Colossians. In chapter 1. In verses 13 and 14, listen to what this, these verses say about you, if you are in Christ. For he, that's Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That, my friends, is a reality. That is an objective truth if you are in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus for forgiveness, okay? It doesn't matter how you feel. Right? This is not about your feelings. You, you are not what you feel. You are not what you feel. Because I know that there are days when you do not feel forgiven. And there are days you do not feel like you have received redemption and forgiveness. And there are days you do not feel accepted and loved by God. And there are days that you do not feel victorious over sin. You you don't feel like you're living in the realm of grace. You feel like you're living in the realm of sin and like you have no power in the face of temptation. That's how you feel, but that's not true. This is true. That verse that was up there before. (laughs) We've received redemption. You are forgiven. You are a new creation in Christ. That's what's true about you. So that brings us back to baptism. Baptism is mentioned a couple times in Romans 6. Now, now what does baptism have to do with all this change? What does baptism have to do with it? Baptism, is baptism what unites us to Jesus? Water baptism? No. Baptism does not, water baptism does not change your status with God at all. It doesn't make you right with God. That's not what it's about. Baptism pictures your union with Christ. That's what it pictures. Okay? You, you, were, you, you died, your old self was crucified with Christ and was buried. You go down into the water. And you are now alive with Jesus. You come up out of the water. That's what it pictures. From death to life. From darkness to light. From bondage to freedom. From chaos to peace. It pictures all of that. It pictures what God has done in you. That's what baptism is about. Some people think baptism is what, what I do to satisfy God. As though, as though uh, God is just like some category of your life. God, is not a cat- God cannot be a category of your life. He does not want your leftovers. Okay, you can't just add Jesus to your life. And think your life is going to give. I'll just add Jesus to my already busy life. And I'll try to fit Jesus into my schedule. And I know it's important. And I know it's important for my kids. So I'm just going to add Jesus in. That's not how it works. 
Jesus has to be the foundation. Jesus is what you build on. It's all about him. And he has changed you completely. He's, cha- he's changing you into a completely new person. And that's what baptism is about. That's what it's about. So this morning, as um, I'm going to have <clears throat> the folks who are getting baptized in a little bit are going are gonna to make their way up here. And I want to do this before they do. Um, every single baptism in the New Testament that we read about was spontaneous. Every single one. <laughs> uh, there wasn't like a class that people went to. Um, they didn't like think about it for a week. And the, I mean, not, not that we know of. It was all spontaneous. God did something in their heart, and they knew that God had changed them and was changing them. And all of a sudden, before, be, all they know is, be, they might not know when it happened, but they know this. They know that before, they really weren't interested in God, and now they want God. Before, they weren't following Jesus, and now they're starting to follow Jesus. And they, and they know that God has done something in their hearts and is doing something new in their life And baptism is how you celebrate that. Baptism is saying God has made me new. He's changed my desires. He is changing my life. He has united me to Christ. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. And and my whole identity has changed. And baptism is the first thing you do to recognize that. It's the first thing you do. And so here's what I want to say. I know that most of you who are sitting out here today, you did not come prepared to be baptized. But if God is, has done something new in you, and you know that you belong to God, and that you have a new future because of Jesus Christ, and you have never chosen to be baptized, I want to encourage you to come up here today. I really do. And all, here's what you have to do. When we dim the lights and we show the videos and stuff, all you got to do is go back, and our ministry assistant, Angela, is standing by the back doors, and she's going to point out the tables right next, outside of the restrooms, and we have clothes you can change into with a shirt and, and shorts. It's not the most stylish outfit you ever wore. But, you know, we wanted nothing to hold you back. And that's the point. And you just make your way, once you're changed, you make your way down and you go behind that curtain and you come off the stage. And when these three folks are done be- being baptized, you'll be next. That's it. It's not difficult. Um, but it's important and it's exciting. And we don't want anything to stand in your way. And if you're feeling like this is weird, I feel like this is so spontaneous, I didn't even think about this until today, that's how it happened every time in the New Testament. And so we just want to be faithful to that. And um, so I just want to encourage you in that way. Now, as I close, (laughs) I know that some of you are wondering this. If I've been crucified to my old, if my old self has really been crucified, and I'm dead to sin, why do I keep sinning? Why do I keep struggling with this habit? Why can't I break this pattern in my life? You're wondering that, right? Well, you should go home and read the rest of the book of Romans. But (laughs) uh, I'll just give you the next couple verses for today. In Romans chapter 6, because this is what it says, and it gives us a clue to our victory in Christ. In verses 10 and 11, listen to this. The death that Jesus died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Now listen to what Paul says. In the same way, in the same way, you consider yourself 
dead to sin, but alive to God. Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about a mindset. He's talking about a mindset. You have to change your mind before you, before you change. That's just the truth. Nothing's going to change in your life if you do not start thinking about yourself as dead to sin. If you do not actually believe that sin has been unplugged and that sin has no more power over you, you have to preach the gospel to yourself. That's what you have to do. You have to remind yourself, I am a child of God. I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I am a new creation. I have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light where sin has no more power over me. That's what you have to tell yourself in those, and I'm not talking about positive, the power of positive thinking. That is not what this is. This is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus. You're stating what's true and believing it in that moment, and only then will you have the power to say, no, that is not who I am anymore. That old man is dead. I am alive to God through faith in Jesus because he's alive I'm alive. Because he died to sin, I died to sin. Because death has no hold on him and has no hold on me. And I will be with Christ forever. We just got to keep telling ourselves that. And you know what? You got to tell me that. When you see sin rise up in me, tell me that. That's what I need to hear. When I see sin rise up in you, that's what you need to hear. That you are one with Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that we get to gather here today in public and declare your praises and declare the truth, God, that you have sent your Son to reconcile us to you. And God, there's no better way to celebrate that than by seeing people be baptized, to recognize what you've done in them and to point forward to all the changes that you're going to make in their life, all the fruit that you're going to produce, all the life that you're going to give. So it is with great thankfulness and it is with reverence that we transition now to become witnesses of the changes that you've made in, in, the, in the lives of these saints. And we ask that you would help us to encourage them as they continue this journey with Jesus. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.